Hey family, this is Josh Eggerson. I want to thank you for tuning in to the Faith Restored podcast. Faith Restored is a local church with a global mission to reach the lost and teach the found. And it's our hope that the word you're about to hear today encourages you, inspires you, and builds your faith. If you'd like to learn more about Faith Restored, you can visit us on our website at faithrestored.church. Now let's go live into this week's message. If you have your Bibles, thank you. If you have your Bibles, turn to Joel chapter 2. Amen. Joel chapter 2, verse 32. And I'm only going to read a piece of a verse in your hearing. And I know it's not a typical uh, Easter text, uh, but I believe uh, that it will help us today. Amen. As we celebrate not just the fact that he's risen, but as we explore the implications of the resurrection. Amen. 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 Joel chapter two, verse 32. And I'm going to be reading uh, from the translation of my childhood, the New King James version of the Bible today. <clears throat> Hear the word of the Lord. It says, and it will, and it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I want to draw your attention to a word in that A clause of verse 32. It says, whoever. Amen. Whoever. Amen. I want to preach for a little while using as a subject, it's a free-for-all. Amen. It's a free-for-all. Father, thank you for this time. Help us now. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've gone to the movies anytime since 2008, you'll quickly recognize that for over a decade, superhero films have dominated the box office. Whether it be Iron Man, Thor, The Hulk, Captain America, the X-Men, Black Panther, or the Avengers, whether it's Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Green Lantern, Batman, Superman, or the Justice League. For over 10 years, movies about the adventures of these imaginary icons have captivated the hearts and minds of popular culture. As a matter of fact, even before the stories of superheroes made their way to the big screen, comic books and graphic novels had become a multi-billion dollar industry because people all over the world have fallen in love with the mythology surrounding superheroes. And while some of us may be tired of seeing movies filled with comic book superheroes and special effects and want to see regular movies again, I believe that our culture's infatuation with watching superheroes use their powers to fight against impossible odds to rescue regular people like you and me points to a deep longing in our culture to see a savior. I don't think it's because the movies are really that good and I don't think many people have even read the comic books to understand what the movies are based on, but I think that the reason why people fill up movie theaters, wait all night long for midnight showings, spend thousands of dollars on costumes for cosplay, and fill up comic conventions all over the world is because whether they realize it or not, deep down on the inside, all of us want to believe that no matter how messed up our lives might be, there is a glimmer of hope in 
the darkness that we can be saved when we don't have the power to save ourselves. And whether you are a fan of superhero movies or not, you should be able to identify with the desire to believe that when you are in danger of drowning in the mess of your life and you cannot save yourself, that there is a person with the power to pick you up out of your predicament, someone with the superheroic attributes to lift you up out of your low place and carry you to safety. And I know that the church has psychosomatically conditioned us to hide the fact that we have issues and pressures and pain that we need to be rescued from. But is there anybody under the sound of my voice who can admit that you know what it feels like to be trapped in trouble and need to be saved? Have you ever been lost in loneliness, drowning in depression, afflicted by anxiety, traumatized by trouble, suffering through sadness and sinking in sin and wanted a way out, but there was no one who you could call that could swoop in and save you? And the problem with superhero movies is that no matter how well they are written, no matter how good the special effects are, no matter how convincing the actor's performance is, they are not real, which means that I can't call them when I'm in trouble and I need to be saved. As a matter of fact, I don't even have to go there because you know the truth that when you're really going through, you can't even call all of the people in your circle to save you. You can vent to your friends, but your friends can't save you. You can cry to your mother and father, but your mommy and daddy can't save you. You can confide in your husband or in your wife, but your spouse cannot save you. You can even call your preacher, your pastor, or your bishop, but the man or woman of God cannot save you. And whether it is your depression, your doubt, your worry, your anxiety, your suffering, or your sin, you need to be saved and the superheroes are not coming. I know that's a hard reality for us to grasp, but even though we are all in trouble and have the need of a savior that we can, we can't call Iron Man or Superman or the Black Panther or Batman to save us. Easter is the day that Christians from all over the world, from Oman to Omaha, Nebraska, from Manila to Memphis, Tennessee, from Johannesburg to Jacksonville, Florida, believers all over the world are united in celebration of the reality that when the world was in danger, and about to be destroyed not because of an alien invasion or because of the maniacal plot of a comic book villain but because sin had placed a chokehold on creation and infected every area of life and although God had every right to let us be destroyed he decided to send us a hero and not one with a shield and a cape or a suit of armor from a comic book but a real live brown skin crown of thorns wearing cross carrying redeemer from Galilee to save us from our sins. Easter is the day that we celebrate the fact that when the world needed a hero, God sent one in the person of Jesus Christ to save us. And he saved us, not by going to battle with a criminal mastermind, but he saved us by giving himself in our place. We should have died in our sin. We should have been abandoned to suffer the judgment that we had earned because we were messy. We were trifling. We were nasty. We were uh, nasty acting. We were crazy. We were self-righteous. We were cheaters. We were liars. We were lazy. We were entitled. But instead of letting us get what we deserve,
deserve. Jesus died in our place so that we would not have to suffer death for our sins. But not only did Jesus die in our place, he defeated death by doing what history, biology, and chemistry said was impossible and getting up from the grave. And now he lives and he lives forevermore. And as believers, we celebrate because his sinless life, his sacrificial death, and his miraculous resurrection has saved us. But not only has it saved us, oh God, the good news is it makes salvation available for anyone who believes and calls upon his name. And this is good news in a society that makes you believe that you can't have something for nothing, that in order for you to get something, you got to give something in exchange. Even in the midst of an economic crisis like the one we're in, stimulus for some Americans and for some business owners is not free. It's just a loan that you got to pay back one day with strings attached to it. But God said if you're in trouble and you're in need of salvation, salvation is available to you and it is free for all because Jesus already paid the price. I know that you got issues and you got pain and you got things in your life that you're ashamed of and that you're unsure if you can walk away from. I know that you feel as if there were things in your life that disqualify you from being saved. But in spite of all that, God is still inviting you to join his family. God is not appalled at you. He is not afraid of your issue. He is not surprised by what you did last year, last week, or last night. But he wants to save you and set you free. And on Easter, you may be wondering how you can be saved. Oh, God, maybe you're thinking, I don't know how to pray. But God says you don't have to pray. You may be thinking, I'm watching online. How can I walk down the aisle? But God says you don't have to walk down the aisle. You may be thinking that you don't have a preacher who can pray you through, but you don't even need a preacher. God is not limited by your limitations. God is not bothered by your inability. He has made the formula for salvation simple. Just like Lois Lane calls for Superman when she's in danger, just like Nick Fury assembles the Avengers when the world is in trouble, and just like a baby cries for their mommy when they're in danger, God says if you're sinking in sin and are in need of a savior, do not fear because whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the message of Easter. We don't celebrate bunnies and eggs and Easter suits. We don't get excited because of big buildings and big stages and lights and smoke and special programs and decorations, but we celebrate in our homes, in our cars, on our jobs, in the hospital room because we should have been lost, but because of Jesus, we are saved. And this this salvation that we celebrate is not just for us, but it's for whoever would call on the name of the Lord. And this is the point that the prophet Joel is making in Joel chapter 2, verse 32. I I know that this is not a typical text uh, for an Easter Sunday, but I believe that Joel presents to us an amazing biblical truth that salvation is something that God makes available, and it is free for all who call on the name of the Lord. In the beginning of Joel, of the chapter, Joel is describing the day of judgment, that day when the wrath of God is going to be poured out on all those who do evil and when the people of God are going to be gathered together and saved. But it is interesting that Joel does not limit salvation to Israel. But in Joel chapter 2, verse 32, 
Joel says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Centuries before the birth of Jesus, before Mary's parents had even been born, Joel prophetically presents the gospel to Israel. He tells them that judgment is coming. Oh God, not just judgment on them, but judgment on the entire world. He said that there will be chaos and confusion, violence and anger, and people will be gripped by fear because of the great and terrible day of the Lord. But in the midst of the bad news of judgment, Joel gives them a glimmer of hope and tells the people that God has given them a way out. And the way out is by calling on the name of the Lord. Joel declares that salvation is available, but it is not simply available to some or to the people who behave themselves or to the people who have perfect church attendance or to the people who never smoke weed, never been drunk, never slept around. But Joel says, whoever, God help me, calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This lets us know that salvation then is not something that God extends uh, to some and withholds from others, but it is the will of God that everyone who wants to be saved can be saved. God is indiscriminate in his application of saving power. Anybody can have it because it's a free for all. Salvation is made possible for anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord. So what does this mean for you and me on Easter? Number one, it means that there is no one beyond salvation. God help me. There is no one beyond salvation. The Bible says whoever, everybody say whoever. Yeah, wherever you are, say whoever because he's talking about you. And this text teaches us never to give up on ourselves and not to give up on anyone else because the power of God is able to save anybody. And if we'd be honest, we'd have to admit that we've all found ourselves in the middle of struggles and problems that we felt we'd never be able to be free from. We all know people who we've written off because they struggle with an attitude or a behavior or a thought process for so long that we lost hope and got frustrated with them. But the text is tailored to teach us that God does not care about your past mistakes or your present failures. Salvation is available to whoever. And I don't know who I'm preaching to, but there ought to be somebody under the sound of my voice who can shout about the whoeverness of God. God, help me. Who can shout over the reality that it does not matter who you are or where you come from or where you've been. It doesn't matter if you just rolled out of the bed with them. It doesn't matter if you still got the liquor on your breath or the drugs in your system. It doesn't matter if you just sent the text message or if you just made the tweet. It doesn't matter if you just got in their DMs. It doesn't matter if, they, if you fell into sin just now or if you've been in sin for the last 10 years. There is no one who is beyond the saving power of our God. When God through the prophet says whoever calls, God is making it known that he's not like you and he's not like me. Uh, God doesn't screen his calls and he doesn't only answer the calls from people that he likes more than others, but God said the only person who is disqualified from salvation is the one who does not call because God is not picky. God is not stuck up. God is the God who declares whosoever will let them come. And is there anybody here who is glad that we serve a God who welcomes the whoever's God help me because you know you didn't meet the qualifications that church people laid out for you, uh, but God said I'm going to take you anyway. God help me. I don't know where you are. I don't know who's around you, but if you got a neighbor in the house, look at him and say, he took me anyway. God, help me. I know I didn't deserve for him to save me. I know I didn't deserve to be delivered. I know I didn't deserve to have what I have, but he took me anyway. He looked beyond all of my faults and he took me anyway. He saw me at the point of 
my knees and he took me anyway. Whosoever calls. But not only is there no one who is beyond salvation, number two, the text teaches us that salvation comes as the result of a call. Yeah, salvation comes as the result of a call because he didn't just stop at whoever. There is an action word that has to be applied. He says, whoever calls. Oh God, this is teaching us then that our salvation doesn't come as a result of, our, of, of the work of our hands because it doesn't say whoever reads the most Bible verses shall be saved. Doesn't say who has the most robust theology shall be saved. Doesn't even say whoever cuts off their fake friends and leaves their bad relationships and puts filter on their internet browsers shall be saved. All of that stuff is good and right and necessary, but if you do all of that and neglect what the text says, then you're simply putting trust in your own power to keep you from sin, and you are not strong enough to save yourself. Yeah, if you're going to be saved, you're going to have to call on a power that is higher than you. As a matter of fact, the reason why most of us are overwhelmed is because we live in a society that tells us we got to do it on our own, that we've got to help ourselves, that uh, we've got to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps, and we're trying to obtain salvation on our own, not realizing that the flesh can only keep sin under control for so long, because your flesh has the ability to suppress, but only God has the power to save. Let me say that again, just in case you missed it on the live stream. Your flesh has the power to suppress your sin, which means you can be holy for a little while, but if you keep uh, trying to use yourself to keep yourself holy, then it'll creep out every now and then. That's why your worship get messed up, because you come into church understanding that you've been trying to keep yourself, and then you fail over the weekend, and you shame to give God glory on Sunday, because the flesh can only suppress your sin. It takes the power of God to save you from your sin. And God will allow you to keep getting your butt whooped by life. God will allow you to keep experience heartache and depression and disappointment until you finally get to the place where you make the call. This is why the psalmist said in Psalm 61 verse 2, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to a rock that is higher than I. And some of us are messed up because we're confiding in friends, we've called exes, we're faking on social media, but those are rocks that are lower than you. When you need to be delivered, you need to go to a rock that is higher. You need to make the call. God, I can't do this on my own. God, I can't fight this on my own. God, I can't stay married on my own. God, I can't raise these children on my own. I'm making the call and I'm making the direct declaration that I need God. And I don't know if you're a comic book reader like me, but in the comic books, when things would get bad, uh, they would look up in the sky and say, this looks like a job for Superman. But is there anybody here who can say my life is so messed up that I can't wait on an imaginary savior. This is a job for the Lord. God, help me. Look at somebody wherever you are and tell them only God can do this. I'm not calling my mama because only God can do this. I'm not calling my pastor. I love him, but only God can do this. I'm not calling any of my friends. They got enough issues of their own. Only God can do this. So he tells us that there was no one who is beyond salvation tells us that salvation comes as a result of a call. But then thirdly, and I'm done, he says salvation is attached to a name. Salvation is attached to a name. Joel says, whoever calls, but he doesn't stop there. He says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord. This is important 
Because we live in a culture that seems to feel as, as if it doesn't matter who you call as long as you call somebody. Yeah. You can call Allah. You can call Buddha. You can call the spirits of your ancestors as long as you're a good person and you call something. But let me help you. I don't, I, I don't just want to be a devout person. I'm not just looking for moral clarity. I want to be saved. And Joel says, if we want to be saved, then you can't just call any name. God, help me. Yeah, but you need to call on the name of the Lord. And in case you were wondering, Allah is not that name. Muhammad is not that name. Buddha is not that name. I love my African heritage. I am black and I am proud, but the deities from Kemet that my woke brothers and sisters claim to be the gods of our heritage are not that name. And I'm sorry to burst the American bubble, but Trump is not that name. Hold on, I'm coming for you. Joe Biden is not that name. McConnell is not that name. Schumer is not that name. Pelosi is not that name. And even in the midst of the coronavirus crisis, Dr. Anthony Fauci is not that name. As a matter of fact, Peter, that cussing, fighting fisherman saved by the grace of Almighty God declares in Acts chapter 4 verses 11 and 12, he is the stone, God help me, which was rejected by you builders, but has become the chief cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name, no other name, thank you Jesus, under heaven that has been given among men, whereby we must be saved. He does not say can be, he does does not say should be he says must be saved as a matter of fact Paul that tent maker from Tarsus declares in Philippians chapter 2 verses 9 through 11 that God has highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name which is above every name so that at the name of Jesus God help every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ God I feel it here is Lord to the glory of God the Father and all I'm trying to tell you is that salvation is not in your denomination it's not in my preaching it's not in our singing it's not in the laying on of a hands but it's in the name of Jesus Christ your salvation is not based on your Bible study regimen it's not based on your ability to speak in tongues it's not based on anything you can produce yourself but it is totally based on your ability to lean and to depend on Jesus. It is based on your ability to call on the name. And I know we have a hard time dealing with that because we've been trained to believe uh, that we are weak if we ask for help, especially as men, that, that we're crazy to call on a God that we can't see. Why would you call on a God that you can't see? Uh, but if there is anything that this coronavirus has taught us is that there's power in a name. Stay with me, I'ma help you. Cause you can't see the virus with your eyes. You can't feel it with your hands. But at its name, cities have been shut down. At its name, the edu educational system has been forced to reevaluate its education methods. At its name, politicians are brought to tears on national television. At its name, the governments of the world have been frustrated and confused. At the name of coronavirus, churches have had to move their services online and citizens are staying home and changing their lives because of something they can't see, something they can't feel, but it has a name 
name. And this name has shown that it has the power to change all of our lives. And I'm not here to debate whether or not that's wrong. All I'm saying is that if we can believe that the name of COVID-19 has power to change our lives and hear that name and get ourselves in order, then I've got to believe that the name of Jesus has the power to change my life, to fix my condition, to pick me up from despair, to redeem my life from destruction, to put my life back together again. Joel says there is power in the name of the Lord. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I want you to know that Jesus is the name of the Lord. I got to get out of here. I just want somebody to know wherever you're watching from that God wants to save you. The Holy Spirit of God is invading your life. He's disrupting your privacy and he's moving on your heart because he wants you to be saved. You may be wondering why God is allowing all of these things to happen. God, my job is cutting my hours. My daycare is closed and I don't know what I'm going to do with my children. God, I was planning on graduating in 2020 after putting years of work in and now it looks like that's not going to happen. God, my heart is broken. My marriage is falling apart. I can't stop crying and I'm not getting any sleep at night. But I believe that God is trying to get you to the point where you're desperate enough to make the call. And you might be wondering, how can he save me? I've done too much. I've seen too much. I've been violated too bad. I've been hurt too badly. I've gotten comfortable with my sin. But I want you to know that God has saving power and it's free for all. You might not believe it, but God said it's free for all. Who is it free for, Pastor Josh? It's free for the liar and it's free for the lesbian. It's free for the alcoholic and it's free for the adulterer. It's free for the greedy and it's free for the gossiper. It's free for the worrier and it's free for the wounded. It's free for the religious and it's free for the rebellious. It's free for the prejudice and it's free for the politician. It's free for the poor and it's free for the privileged. It's free for the hater and it's free for the homosexual. I feel like having church now. It's free for the chauvinist and it's free for the feminist. It's free for the Republican and it's free for the Democrat. It's free for the people that I like and it's free for the folk I can't stand. It doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, what you've done because the Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I'm wondering if there's anyone in the building today, God help me. Anybody watching over live stream, God help me preach. That's not ashamed to call his name. God help me. What's his name? Well if you read the biblical record the Bible gives us several names of this Savior. God help me I feel it here. Devon let's have church now. Noah called him an ark of safety. God help me. Abraham called him a ram in the bush. Jacob called him a wrestling partner who will change your name. Joseph called him favor that will take you from the prison and get you to the palace. Moses called him a bush on fire that wouldn't burn up. A cloud by day and a fire by night. Joshua called him a battering ram at the wall 
walls of Jericho. Gideon called him an army when I've only got a few. Samson called him strength when my strength is gone. Ruth called him a kinsman redeemer. David called him a rock that brought his giant down. Solomon called him wisdom when I don't know what to do. Elijah called him a chariot of fire. Elisha called him oil that won't run out. Isaiah called him wonderful. Counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. But let's go to the New Testament. Matthew called him a righteous king. Mark called him a sovereign servant. Luke called him a great physician. John called him the Word made flesh. In Acts, he's the coming of the Holy Ghost. I heard an old preacher say he had no degrees, yet we call him teacher. He owned no slaves, yet we call him master. He wrote no books, yet the world is sustained by the power of the words. He prescribed no medicine, yet we call him healer. He commanded yet he conquered the world he was killed dead and buried and yet he still lives he lives he lives I can't go there yet do you know his name I learned his name a long time ago and I didn't learn it by reading the Bible but I learned it as a child going to church with my daddy and hearing him sing a song. And on Easter, I want to declare there is a name I love to hear. I love to sing his word. Oh, it sounds like music in my ear. It's the sweetest name. The sweetest name, the sweetest name, the sweetest name on earth. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. I love him because he first loved me. Is there anybody here who can say that's my testimony? I love the Lord because he first loved me. I love him today because he first loved me. I get excited when I think about how he loved me. How he loved me. Is there anybody here who's excited today because, because the Lord, he loves you. I told y'all I'm Baptist, right? Well, can I tell you how I know he loves me? Because one Friday, I said one Friday, they marched him up a hill, far away, to an old 
tears from heaven. He died until the Lord had to hide his face behind the clouds, the clouds in glory. He died until the 24 elders cast their crowns around the glassy sea of glory. He died until the dead got up from their grave. He died until the Roman soldier said, surely, 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 this must be the Son of God. Is there anybody here who knows he died? Is there anybody here who knows he died? But can I tell you something? That's not how the story ends. Because three days later, I said three days later, I said three days later, three days later, I'm trying to help y'all get there. I said, I told you I'm Baptist. And every Baptist preacher, whether they're a hooper or not, whether they can do what I'm doing or not, on Easter, every Baptist preacher has the right to give the Baptist preachers the Baptist preacher's battle cry. So can I tell you what that cry is? I know some of you some of you have forgotten how to do it some of you think that it's unnecessary but if the worshiper can cry if the shouter can dance if the praiser can run then the preacher ought to be able to 